I was thinking about something. I don't know if you guys have heard the old joke about the pastor who uh, had his parishioners paint the church. Do you guys ever hear that? They, he, he brought him some paint and he said, okay, so just, just start painting. And he, he brought what he thought would be enough. And so they started painting. They're going around and they're covering these dark walls. And they got about through you know, one wall done and they're like, we're not gonna have enough paint. So they, they thinned it out a little bit and they, they painted the next wall and they're like, whew, we're not gonna have enough still. So they, they thinned it a little bit more and came to the next wall and, and they did it again. They were like, we're, we're just, we're not gonna be able to finish. So they thinned it one more time and when they got to the end, it wasn't the same paint. It was, it was showing through. The dark was showing through. It wasn't, it wasn't enough. So the pastor came in to, you know, check on their work, and he walks over to where the, the two meet, where, you know, you see, well, one's really nice, and the other one's really thin. And he's like, what, what did you guys do? And they said, well, we, we didn't have enough paint. You, you didn't give us enough paint. And he said, well, you, you should have just come and asked me for more paint. You know what? Repaint, repaint, and thin no more. <laughs> See if you guys get that. <laughs> I heard an old, old uh, preacher say that one time, and when he said it, he was yelling, repaint, repaint, and thin no more. But anyway, so uh, it makes me think of something that I have this is no reflection on anybody here that I know of. I, this is not a specific thing. In fact, I don't remember how you guys make your coffee. But I'm going to say this because I can always tell when there's poverty coffee or prosperity coffee. Because poverty coffee is just a little thinner. It's just a little like, just didn't have enough grounds there. I like strong coffee. And so we talked about that at our, at our Bible study. People go, this is really strong coffee. I'm like, well, we, we, like, we like adding a little bit more to it. So we don't thin our coffee. I don't thin my coffee out. Uh, a few months ago, I preached a couple messages at the well uh, on stewardship. Does anybody, did anybody hear or you know, watch or listen to those messages? Oh, good, a few of you. So, you're not going to hear a carbon copy of those messages because I didn't plan everything that I was going to say in those messages and I'm not exactly sure how this one's going to go, but you'll hear some overlap. You'll hear the, the principles that God has established and as they apply to you, bring them in, take them into your heart. I, if, if, I was thinking about if I preach the same message, not only for you here, but anyone listening online, uh, if you go, well, this is the same message, and you kind of fall asleep and go, ah, I've kind of heard that before. Kind of what happens with verses that you've heard multiple times. You say, well, I've, I've heard that verse. So you read it and you say, I know what that means. So I want to, I'm gonna start at a different place here. I actually, this is a, more of a foundational question. I mentioned it with the coffee, with the paint, whatever, but what is a poverty mindset? 
And what is a prosperity mindset? This is a question that I want to ask, and I want you to ask yourself, because stewardship is all about the heart of the Father. You can't be a steward and have a different heart than the one you're stewarding for. You have to know his heart. So if, if, if the king says, do this with my wealth, and you go, that's such a waste. No way. No, I'm not doing that. What would people think? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what, what does that look like? We, we, can't, we can't do that. Here's my question. Does the king know what's going to happen with his wealth? What if he says, take that entire bag of cash and dump it in the ditch? And you say, that is the biggest waste in the world. But what you don't know is that there's a rainstorm coming. The rainstorm's going to wash all that cash down to the river, and there's a family downstream that is saying, God, send us money. We don't have what we need. And he tells them, put a net out in the river. And they go, what? For cash? No, that's so dumb. But they do it anyway. They put a net out in the river. The next morning, they come out to check their net. It's full of cash. Where did the cash come from? The cash came from the king, who is able to tell his steward, put it in the ditch. And the steward says, yes, sir. You're the king. See, if you have the heart of the father, and the father has your heart, he'll ask you to do things that sometimes, many times, defy logic. Many times you'll say, this is, in fact, I heard an, old, an older gentleman say this. He said, God has asked me to do things that are borderline irresponsible. <laughs> and I will agree with that. You'll find yourself doing things, thinking in a way that isn't the way you would have expected. So, I want to challenge you. In fact, if you have ever been confronted with the term prosperity gospel or American gospel, you're going to want to be here for these next three Sundays. Because I want to challenge this. I want you to think in a way that you may, have, may not have thought before. There is a way that God thinks. And it has been challenged by the enemy. And God wants to, to set things straight. He wants us to see things as he does. People who say that America invented prosperity are... Foolish and short-sighted. Now, maybe you've heard this, maybe you've thought this, maybe you've said this. But if you think that America invented prosperity, you forget about the beginning of America. See, this is kind of like my kids. So I have whatever version of iPhone this is. My kids, if they're talking about a phone, they're, they're, I, they actually said this to me. When you were young, they were probably like iPhone 4s. <laughs> and I said, sister, we didn't even have the internet when I was young. What do you mean? So yeah, it wasn't, the internet wasn't even invented. Like, there were rotary phones. They weren't even push-button phones. I mean, 
I had one of the first bag phones, and it was a big deal. I was already married, much less iPhone 4. So you kids are so short-sighted and foolish in your, your statement of trying to understand what was, the, what was it like. So people that say that America invented prosperity forget God invented prosperity. Prosperity is God's idea. The founding fathers of America simply agreed with it. And they made a covenant with the God who created the idea. See, they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And they made covenant with God. And they said, God, we choose you. And God said, I will honor that covenant and I will bless your nation. I will bless you. And through you, all people of the earth will be blessed. What do you think would happen? What, what would the, the world be like if America was not a country? If, if that would not have happened? Would there be tyrants and rulers and kings and, and more than there is today? Would someone else have maybe taken the idea in another part of the world and created a government that established itself on the, on the principles of God's kingdom? Would that country then have become the blessing to the world? Do you know that I think it's almost, I heard a guy say it was like 80 some or, or almost 90% of countries in the world now have some form of democratic government or representative government. Why? Because they look at America and they say, there's something there that we don't have. What is it? And they're trying to copy it. They're trying to, to use what the founding fathers did when they formed America. See, they simply agreed with God. It's not an American gospel. The gospel is good news to all. The gospel is the heart of the Father. The devil has so twisted people's understanding of God's idea that most Christians don't know what to believe. In fact, they're a bit afraid to agree with what I'm saying. So, just, just imagine that you've never heard anything about this. This is a, just be a blank slate and go, I just want to hear what God says. We're going to read a lot of scriptures today. I want you to let God speak to you. Let his word speak to you. And just take all, all si both sides of this, whatever you've heard, and just set it all down. And when you get to the door, if, if, you, if, if you brought something in here and it was in the Word, you can pick it up at the door. If it's not in the Word, just leave it lay. See, the devil tries to give ideas. And we've seen so much um, misuse of, of the principles of God, that we, we want to do away with the principles of God instead of addressing the misuse of it. So if I look at the Catholic Church, what do I, what do I think of? I think of these opulent cathedrals where the, the, the leaders of the church robbed from the people, literally, like, got them to pay for sins. Are you kidding me? That's not even... There's nowhere in the word that that's legit, but they got the people to give them money and they said, yeah, for that you can go sin how you want to. And they built these cathedrals of gold. Did God do that? 
See, we blame God for the actions of people. Instead of just saying, the actions of people don't line up with God. So that is not God's heart. That's taking something to establish a, if I can say it this way, a kingdom for themselves, for the, the, the rulers of those churches. But God has better, nicer cathedrals than what any Catholics can build. See, we look at that and we say, if it's beautiful and gold and amazing and brilliant, if it's expensive, it's probably not, it's probably too expensive for God to do it. How foolish. That's not the God that we serve. See, he is the richest king in the universe. He has everything. If you were the richest king in the, in the universe, how would you want to connect with your people? How would you want them to want to connect with you? Think of it as a father with a son or a daughter. If your son or daughter comes to you and says, I have holes in my shoes, can I have a, a new pair? And the father goes, no, they'll be fine. Just tuck your toes in <laughs> or something. Even if the father has it and can, and can buy them a new pair and he says, no, I don't want you to have that. What if the child comes and says, I have a dream. I want to do something. I'd, I, I want a pony. Why do you want a pony? Because I, I want to learn to ride. And the father says, in order to have a pony, we need a barn and we need fence and we need... And the father goes, you know what? I want you to learn to ride. That's, that's amazing. I'll help you and pays for these things. Which father do you want to be? Which father is God? I don't know if any of you guys have ponies or animals or anything. Maybe, maybe this conversation has come up. Maybe it's a go-kart. Maybe it's something else. But if you think of this as, a, as a, a child to the father, how do you respond to your children and how does God respond to you? I had, uh, when I first went to Karis, Karis Bible College, I had a, a well-meaning Christian brother come to me and he really cares about me. I mean, this, is, this came from a good heart. But he, he, uh, he took me aside and he said, now, now they, don't, they don't teach health and wealth there, do they? And I, I didn't know how to answer that. Because I, I, I said, well, they don't teach sickness and poverty. I'll say that. And he, he just went, okay. So he had his answer. But which do you want to hear? Sickness and poverty or health and wealth? If you hear the terms health and wealth, you go, oh, wow. There's been misuse of this. Does that mean that God's not in it? Does that mean that it's not according to his heart? See, at the core of all of these messages on stewardship, on, on God's blessing on us is the heart of the Father. I'm going to keep coming back to this, the heart of the Father. You have to have your heart open to his heart. If you stonewall him by teachings you've heard or by, by uh, assumptions you've made, you will not be able to go any further. This is where it begins. If you don't know that God wants you prosperous, 
you'll reject the very heart of God as he reveals his kingdom to you. There will come a time where you say, that's too much. That's too much. But see, God wants you to know that he has more than you can imagine. He has more, more than can enter into your heart. You can dream, you can think big, and he thinks bigger. I promise you. I dare you to try him out on it. So why prosperity? Why am I mentioning this? The title for this message is Prosperity God's Way. But why prosperity? How does this affect your view of stewardship? Your view of prosperity, how does this affect your view of stewardship? I want to start out by reading the Apostle John in 3 John, verse 2. 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I'm sure you guys have heard that verse before, but I, I just want to stretch it apart just a little bit. There's a condition on this prosperity. He says, I pray that you prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. So do you have a prosperous soul? That's my first question to you there. Do you have a prosperous soul? When you, when you allow your, your heart to be honest with what it feels, with what you think, do you have a prosperous heart? See, he says, I pray that you prosper and be in health. Now, I searched for the word prosper and prosperity uh, in the Old Testament, and it was a bit overwhelming. Um, it's all over the place. So I want to just, I kind of want to overwhelm you just a little bit. I'm not even going to, I'm, uh, what I would say is, don't even bother turning to this. You can, you, you can go back, I'm going to say the references so that you can go find them and read them for yourself, but they're not even up here. I've, if there's verses that talk about uh, prosperity of God's children and the destruction of the wicked, I've taken out the destruction of the wicked just for the sake of time. They're in there, you can go find them. So some of these are a little abbreviated, but I just want you to hear God's heart toward his children. Genesis 24, 42. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go. This is a man asking for God to prosper him. Genesis 26, 13, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. That's all in one word. Genesis 39, 3, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Genesis 39, 23, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Deuteronomy 29.9, Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Deuteronomy 30, verse 5, Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Joshua 1.7, Only be strong and very courageous. And at the end of the verse, Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Ruth 4.11, And may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. 
First Kings 2, 3, and keep the charge of the Lord your God that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. First Chronicles 22:11. now my son, may the Lord be with you and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. First Chronicles 22:13. then you will prosper, be strong and of good courage, do not fear nor be dismayed. Second Chronicles 20, 20, are you overwhelmed yet? Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. 2 Chronicles 26.5 And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Nehemiah 1.11 O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, and let your servant prosper this day. Nehemiah 2.20 So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Psalm 1.3, and this is, you can read all of Psalm 1, but he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Psalm 25.12, who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. Actually 12.13 and 14. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Psalm 35, 27, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Psalm 68, 6, God sets the solitary in families and brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Psalm 118, 25, Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Psalm 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. And verse 7, peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. Isaiah 48.15, I, even I, have spoken. Yes, I have called him. I have brought him, and his way will prosper. I mean, we could keep going. We, we could do this all day long, and I could prove it to you by the word that God's heart is that you prosper. Now just in case you're, that didn't offend you quite enough, I'm going to add health to it. In uh, Jeremiah 33, 6, Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Jeremiah 33, 9, Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all nations of the earth, who shall hear all the good that I do to them, they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provide for it. The definition of the word prosper is to succeed in your affairs or to have a good journey. So Jews would say shalom, which is a, a big word. It means a lot. It, in fact, if you would just write it on the sky, you can't, the sky can't contain all of the blessing that the word shalom is. It is peace be with you, but it is everything. Peace and blessing, prosperity, everything favorable, everything you can think of that would be a blessing to you, the word shalom is included. It includes it in that word. Have, have you ever, have you seen Live Long and Prosper? So the guy who, who started that, I won't get into it, but he was a Jew. And he did that as a joke. And it became this, this movie theme of live long and prosper. That is the Hebrew letter of blessing. 
I just thought it's cool because he got the whole world to, to do that to each other. Live long and prosper. It's the blessing of God being declared over people. Now, I won't vouch for the rest of the movie, but we see it. People actually, if we look at the Jews, we look at people who got used to expecting God's blessing. They knew that they were God's chosen people. So when, when God told them to take all of the wealth of Egypt as they exited, take everything, all the gold, ask your neighbors and they'll give you, they, they literally pillaged Egypt and took piles and piles of gold, jewelry, riches, amazing. And God gave them favor and they walked out of Egypt. They went from slaves to ultra wealthy in one day. They carried it around and they didn't know how to use it and they made a golden calf with it. So there is the danger that we, we, we come, we revolt from. We say, oh, well, I'm afraid that wealth will turn my heart away from God. Have you ever had that fear? Have you ever, has, has, anyone, has anyone presented that idea to you? That it's better if you're, if, you're, if you're not wealthy because then your heart has nothing to turn to. What about if you are wealthy and your heart is turned to God? Can he get you to dump a bag of gold or a bag, a bag of cash in the ditch? What if your heart's not turned to it? Is it not better to do it his way? See, the devil is terrified of Christians knowing that God wants them wealthy. Now you say, okay, but Jesus became poor, so we should, we should be like him. What's the verse actually say? He became poor so that through him you might be made rich. I believe that the, the day he became poor was the day he was on the cross. He was stripped of everything. That's the day he became poor. That's the day everything changed. And through his poverty, you might be made rich. Not just in heaven. It's not, the, it's not even the context of the verse. It is so that God's blessing can go through you to the world around you. We'll get there. In, uh, back to 3 John 2. Soul prosperity, the condition of your heart, this is not just financial success and physical health. I know I've mentioned it just because there's, okay, there's been some slander about this presented around the, the world probably. I'm mentioning it, but it's not just that. Soul prosperity is not just, and, and even if I use the term prosperity, it's not just you have extra money. That's not what it's about. But when your soul is prosperous, you will have extra money. The result is what we end up looking at and we, and we use that as our judge. It's not about that. Let your heart just let all of that go and look at what God wants to do through this. They are, the, the, the things that we see are fruits of a prosperous soul. They're, they're not the actual vine itself that's growing. God continually tied 
financial and physical blessings together, though, when he would mention it. So he mentioned it to Abraham. Let's look at his, God's initial promise to Abram. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, God says in verse 2, I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. Where did the blessing, how did the blessing get to the earth, all the families of the earth? In Abram. God didn't say, and in me, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He said, it's in you. See, God took his, his blessing and he put it onto a man. He put it onto Abraham. Onto Abram and then he renamed him. See, God wants to show the whole world who he is and what he's like. See, you don't know what he's like until you see the people around you. And you have to be able to see, is this the heart of the Father or is it not? Are you displaying the heart of the Father? The Lord was talking to me the other day. It's, been, it's probably been a few months. But he, he said, when you walk up to someone, introduce yourself as Doran Wengard, the Son of God. I said, sure, I'll do that. We'll see what they say. Hi, nice to meet you. Doran Wengard, the Son of God. Who are you? You should see people. Uh, Dave? Oh, okay. I, I'm also the son of Eli, and he has five sons. And God also has many sons. I'm, I didn't, did I say I'm the only begotten son? <laughs> no, don't misunderstand me. I'm not him, he's my older brother, but I am the son of God. And people would go, oh, what? Why didn't I think of that? That's amazing. I want to be the son of God. And I'd say, are you born again? Yeah, then you are. You're my brother. You are Dave, the son of God. When we start to... Now, yes, I like to get people to think. <clears throat> I don't mind having them kind of be a little freaked out by it. But I want you to think the son of God is blessed in, in what way? The same way as his father. If you are born again, this, talk, this is speaking to you. If you're not born again, you should be. And let, we'll help you. In fact, don't leave the building if you're not born again. Come talk to me, talk to Ezra, talk to someone else. But if you are born again, this applies to you. You have now become a child of God. In Abram, God took and made a covenant so that he could bless the entire world. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So we take that and we say, good, that sounds spiritual. That sounds right. We should give, not receive. But do you know that if you haven't received, you have nothing to give? So... It is more blessed to give than to receive. So receive from God in whatever ways he shows you and then give it away wherever he shows you. See, he is the king. We are the stewards. 
Deuteronomy 8.18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. See, he describes his power and his purpose here. He says, it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. What's his covenant? His covenant was with Abram. This is the covenant that everything points back to. In fact, in Jesus, we become seed of Abraham. It belongs to each one of us who has become born again. Galatians 3.29 says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abram's, Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, the promise of God's blessing. Galatians 3.9 says, So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So how much of your wealth and abundance is being used for its God-ordained purpose? How much of the decisions that you make in your life are based on fear and how, much, how, how many decisions are based on faith. When God, when God gives you a word about something, do you respond in fear or in faith? See, he's looking for faith. He's looking for you to know who you are. There's, this is an identity question here. Are you seed of Abraham? If you are, are you blessed? Have you received it? What would Abraham say to those who, who present what they call American gospel, prosperity gospel? What would Abraham say? <laughs> I think he would be like, what God are you talking about that wants everybody poor and sick? I don't, I don't know this God. He sounds like a pagan evil tyrant. What God is against Blessing me. This was God's idea. God made a covenant with me. What would Abraham say? See, we are under Abraham's covenant. This is why, as I was processing this and thinking through it, I just felt like God said, you'll get there to stewardship, but you need to talk about prosperity or poverty. What's your mindset? See, every one of us have a line that we're willing to go up to, but we're not willing to cross. There's something that we say, well, that's dumb, or that's not worth it. Where's your line? I want you to, to consider asking the Lord where your line is, because he will push your line, if you're willing. <laughs> um, I want to look at a New Testament definition of prosperity. This is in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having all, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Now, I, I love the way this is written because it's so overly redundant that you can't miss it. 
If you're missing it, you're trying to miss it. He, he repeats himself so many times. All grace, always having all sufficiency and all things having an abundance. How many alls and abundance and extras and how, how many times does he have to say it before we go, wait, 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 what's he saying? How much? How many times? Always, all things, abundance, everything, everything, every time. See, we, we, we hear a verse like this and we say, well, that's not what I've experienced. Does that mean that what you've experienced changes what's in here? See, how many, how many times do you look at your experiences and you validate your experiences because they happen to you? You say, well, this must be the way it is. Instead of looking in here and saying, my experience is lying to me. I'm going to believe the Word. See, the Word of God, that's our true north. And we say it, we want it to be that way. But when, when we get into a situation, we find ourselves relying on our understanding from our experiences or what we've been taught. If you don't understand the purpose of something, then abuse, neglect, or failure are the result of it. I think it was the, the Teradezes tell, tell a story of uh, someone that they, I don't know if it was their father-in-law or someone they sent a, a Father's Day gift to, and it was a brand new iPad. Has anybody heard this story? They sent him this iPad, and he didn't read it. He just saw there was an apple on the outside of the box. He pulled this thing out, and he thought, this thing's for cutting apples. So he, he used it as a cutting board. For real. Like, they, he's cutting vegetables on there, fruit and stuff. And they, they said, did you, get the, did you get our gift? He said, yeah, yeah, I got it. They said, how'd you like it? And he said, oh, it works great. I mean, it's glass. It, it's, it works great. They said, well, where is it? And he went over to the dishwasher. And he pulled out this iPad that he'd been using as a cutting board. <laughs> Do you think that that's the purpose of that? Who knows how expensive that cutting board is. But he didn't understand the purpose of it. So he was abusing it. We could, we could come up with examples all day long. I mean, I could use the camera back there as an anvil and start hammering on it to do horseshoes. <laughs> How long is that camera going to last? It, it, it won't because we're abusing it. So what we've seen is abuse of God's principle because we haven't understood the purpose behind it. This is where I, want to, where I want to get to. I want us to understand the purpose. We have to be able to accept it first, though. You have to be able to accept the fact that God wants you prosperous.